With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. This is episode 190. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Folks, before we get started, I wanted to just give our regular shout-outs to the folks that help make this podcast possible. First and foremost, our friends over at TheHackersParadise.com, if you're listening to this on the THP mobile app. Our friends over at Cleveland and Strixon Golf, you guys keep me in the game. On the course, I'm excited to bring everything down from your new line down to Arizona this week as me and a few buddies go and visit uh, Arizona. For At least for me, it's the first time. It's a bucket list thing, and then we're going to go check out at least one day of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Really excited about that. And, of course, to our friends over at BudgetGolf.com as well. Go out and check out all the great sales they got going on. At the time of this recording, you can go on to BudgetGolf.com, and for your entire order, regardless of how much you buy, Shipping only costs three ninety nine. That's pretty incredible. So go out and check that out as well. All right, folks. Today I want to talk about the twenty nineteen PGA Merchandise Show. This is the recap of my experience last week, where I went down with the boys over at the Hackers Paradise, JB and his team, Gary, Michael Ward. Uh, I should say Gary Code, who you heard in the previous two episodes as well. Michael Ward and of course Michael Verska, one of the smartest brains in uh, interviews in the game of golf, having worked in the industry for a very long time. He was celebrating his 20th visit to the PGA Merchandise Show. That's uh, that's a lot of experience there, folks. I had a great time. As I mentioned uh, in earlier episodes, it was my return to the show for the first time in six years. It was the second time overall. And from that, in that time span, so much had changed. And there were a few things that remained the same as well, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But for today's show, I just wanted to talk about the top five things that I learned or took away from visiting the merchandise show in Orlando, Florida. First and foremost, I still don't know why I live in Chicago. <laughs> it is it is so damn cold. I think when I landed yesterday, very early in the morning here, it was, I think, six below zero, if I remember correctly. Right now, it's a little bit warmer. I think we're above the zero degrees Fahrenheit mark. Um, just not fun. It was about 60 degrees, 70 degrees around the afternoon in Orlando. Not Not bad weather at all. There was a deluge, though. I think on, what was it, Thursday morning? That was the hardest rain I'd seen in a very long time. And they talk about sideways rain, or at least we do here, us us weird Midwesterners. We talk about sideways rain all the time. And that stuff was literally coming at us horizontally. (laughs) It It was impressive. 
But anyway, top five things about the PGA Merchandise Show. And before I get into the list, just a couple general comments that I noticed. I forgot how large the Orlando Convention Center was. It is absolutely massive. I know those of you who have been to the show multiple times are probably just laughing and rolling your eyes at that comment. I knew that I needed to pack comfortable clothing, comfortable shoes to walk this colossal show floor. And the running joke throughout the day, and I'm sorry, I have to call this out, but I did bring Skechers. I know, I'm going to pause and let you just laugh about that for a little bit, but I did bring what I thought was going to be a very comfortable pair of shoes, and boy was I wrong. Man was I wrong. That was just a complete misjudgment on my part. Serves me right too, by the way. That's what I get for for going with that brand down there. And I apologize to anyone out there listening from that brand, but I got to tell you, that's just that's some voice of customer feedback for you right there. But uh, at any rate, this massive floor, just so many companies there. When I went six years ago, uh, as you guys know, I used to help out the Back Nine Network. I was there for a very different purpose, and I had my I had an idea going into this week as far as where everything might be as in terms of location of companies. I quickly learned that everything just kind of got flip-flopped. <laughs> everything was, was the opposite of what I remembered. The equipment was more on the far end of the hall. Uh, when you walk into the main doors, it was more towards the left. I'm, I'm not sure what direction that was, but it just seemed like everything was mixed up. And for the four days that we were on the floor shooting video, interviewing folks, making appointments, meeting really everybody that you can possibly want to meet or who you want to meet in the game of golf. We only really got, I would say, to about three quarters of what was actually of all the booths. At least I did. I know JB stayed for one more day down there on Friday to catch some of the apparel side, but man, there's just so much to see. And a lot of the booths just went above and beyond what you would expect from a regular trade show. It was very, very important to see, and, and good to see. One of the things that we wanted to go into for this week was to really determine whether or not the PGA Merchandise Show was quote-unquote worth it anymore, or how important it was for a lot of the brands that are there. Now, obviously, you've got the largest brands that... Uh, all the big boys were there. I mean, you had Callaway, you had Ping, you had, you know, Titleist, you had Cobra Puma, Srix on Cleveland, all, all those, anyone you could think of. Bridgestone Golf made its return. Mizuno Golf made their return back to the show. The one overarching brand, or the, the elephant that wasn't in the room, of course, was TaylorMade not making it to the PGA show. And that's going to kick off our first takeaway, or at least my first takeaway from the PGA Merchandise Show. TaylorMade's absence from the show, from the team's collective opinion, probably was a mistake. The reason for that, and I'm going to do the first two takeaways kind of combined here, is because not only do we go into this week trying to determine whether or not the show was worth it anymore, but we also wanted to kind of pick the brains, the collective brain, of not only golf media, but also all the brands that were represented to get their take on it as well. And above all else, the main consensus was that, yeah, this really matters still. Granted, it's a biased sample size because we were talking to people that were actually at the show. But as it relates to TaylorMade, 
they are a very influential company. Same as Callaway. Same as all these big names. Cleveland Strikes on. And the fact that they weren't a presence, that there was no presence of that company, I think really hinders the potential growth of some of the smaller companies that were there as well. It is not cheap to get a booth at this convention center. Not cheap at all. Thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in some instances, probably even more. Callaway's booth, for example, was 20-something thousand square feet. It was the entire width, or at least it seemed like it, of the, the show floor. It was incredible. It was wide open. It almost seemed like a, a storefront or a, a, I don't even know what you would call it, but without walls. It was very tastefully done. It was extremely creative. We were able to sit down and talk with uh, Johnny Rodriguez, their creative director over there. It was his baby. Everything was done just unbelievably. Hi, this is Bill Hobson from the Four Golfers Network podcast. And as you and I enjoy this episode of Golf Unfiltered with my friend Adam, I'm reminded of an indisputable reality. We, as golfers, are nuts. We chase a small ball around the planet, spending thousands of dollars in the effort to get that ball into a tiny hole. We then yell at the ball and curse it when it doesn't listen, even though it can't listen, it's a ball. This insanity is all part of the magic of the game, and it's what we celebrate on the Four Golfers Network podcast every Monday when a fresh episode comes your way on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, you know, all the places. So after you finish listening to Adam today, I'd love to have you check out the Four Golfers Network podcast, that's F-O-R-E, where we celebrate the game with top-name guests and an exploration of the things about golf that both drive us crazy and bring us back for more. I stink! The ball is just sitting there, and I can't hit it! And of course, there were other booths that, that had similar looks, that had a similar welcoming atmosphere, where you could walk in, you could shake hands with the people that you speak to, either on the phone, over email, on social media, and everyone treated you so kindly. Everyone welcomed you in. And granted, again, they're there for that purpose. But... Doing that with the people like myself, the media, others that were in attendance kind of put everyone in a really supportive mood. And then when you take a look at the smaller brands, the smaller companies, those that are still trying to make it big, and you are an attendee at this show and you're in this positive mindset, you're probably going to visit these booths with that mindset overflow, is what I'm going to call it. That's going to benefit those smaller companies as well. And I'm sorry, there is something to be said about being under the same roof, as large as it is. But there's something to be said to be on the same floor if you're a smaller company as the big guys. And so there's almost a little bit of a responsibility of these larger companies to collaborate and to show uniformity at least in terms of attendance, with brands of all sizes. A good example of that, coincidentally, I bumped into a, uh, a friend of mine in the Orlando airport on the way home. He lives in Chicago. He was down there supporting a brand called American Needle. Those of you who uh, 
are uh, huge fans of golf hats or, or, you know, hats in general. And who isn't if you're a golfer? They're, they're a hat brand. They make hats. Medina Country Club, for example, is somebody that's on their account. They had a booth down there. It was just a small one. Real small, you know, typical trade, trade show booth. I remember passing by it uh, one of the days. And, and they, hadn't, they weren't there yet. We were actually on the floor the day before uh, the, the doors opened for everyone. So a technically demo day. But they put the money forward, this, this huge expense for them, to be in attendance in the same area, in the same building as all the big brands that I mentioned before. That's, that's really important. That's a huge risk for my friend's uh, company, or my, he works at the company, it's not his, but that's a huge risk financially for that company because you have to think of it in terms of return on investment. What are you going to get out of that, out of appearing at this convention? I asked him how he thought the show went for him and how it did, you know, no details were shared, of course, I respect that, but he said it was really positive. And I got to be honest, and I don't think he would mind me saying this, people don't go to that convention center every January to see their company. (laughs) They go there to see the big guys. It's just helpful for the smaller companies. The ones trying to make it, trying to break in either to this industry if they've been long-standing or if they're trying to make it because they pull together all their, their, their life savings and this is their big shot to try to get somebody to notice them. The pull or the draw comes from the larger companies. Everyone works together in this space. And I have to say, I'm sure there are other industries that are like this, but the golf industry is one that runs so much on relationships. Everybody works together. Everybody knows everybody to a degree. And if you don't know each other right yet, you're going to be able to go to this convention to meet the right people. So to bring it back to to TaylorMade, I'm not saying that TaylorMade needed to be there for others. They've got stuff to show too. The M5, the M6, everything else from their uh, upcoming new equipment lines. But their absence, I think, was really something that stuck out. And yeah, I'm sure there were a few companies that were happy they weren't there. But I think overall, that was a big missed opportunity. Now, of course, the talk in the town, and it's not really rumor, of course. I mean, we all know that Ricky Fowler signed a multi-year deal. Big crooked number attached to it in terms of money to play the TaylorMade TP5 ball. Or TP5X, I forget which one it is, top of mind. Cost a lot of money to get him from a business standpoint. And I commented on this in the past, in the past episode. Maybe it did make sense to cut costs. In fact, I actually went so far as to say maybe it was a smart idea for them to do so. I'm not someone who sits at their board meetings. I'm not someone who sits at their their day-to-day meetings. But from a grand scheme of things, as I've mentioned... Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was something that they should reconsider for next year. Now that they've got one of the bigger, most marketable people in in the game, in Ricky Fowler, playing one of their products. Let's get him out there. Something interesting there. At least for me it was. And so one of the other top takeaways I mentioned was, is the PGA Merchandise Show important? Yeah, I had an opinion before that maybe it wasn't as important. Was it... 
my attendance this week, did I notice anything that was incredibly different than when I saw six years ago? Not really. I mean, it's a trade show. It is what it is. I mean, there's, I mean, there's only so much you can do in a convention center. But yeah, it's important for all the reasons I mentioned, especially now, especially when the economy's a little bit better. Certainly compared to a few years ago, people can actually go and spend a little cash to get their name out there. And as I mentioned before, the smaller brands benefit from having the bigger names there. Another interesting story that was filtering throughout the week was something that's going on with ping golf. Now, I have to admit, I learned a lot of this by uh, talking and working with, you know, JB, Michael Verska, and the guys at THP. But ping, obviously, just like many of the other companies, have come out with new equipment, most notably the, uh, the G410 driver as well as Fairway Woodline and, and Iron Line. But one of the things that was mentioned early on, early marketing, was how Arcos was going to be incorporated into the grips on these, on these drivers and clubs. In fact, Ping advertised that in their booth. It was a Probably a moderately sized booth. I mean, it was, again, an open concept. Not a lot of walls. You can walk in and walk out. Almost accidentally, if you're not paying attention, you can, oh, now I'm in the ping booth. Um, and on there, they were, there was this huge, I don't know, a banner or a, a fixture of some sort advertising the inclusion of Arcos. You can't find it anywhere in any of the clubs. None of the clubs that were there, at least that I saw or that we saw as a team, had Arcos on it. JB and Michael actually spoke to uh, one of the higher-ups at the company for a good length of time, asking the question, hey, what's going on with Arcos? Could not get a straight answer. In fact, was told that the pricing probably won't change much once they actually finally decide to include it. Arcos, that is. I find that very confusing. Again, I don't want to speak out of turn here. I don't know all the details of what's going on. But based on what we were told, and what my interpretation of what was told, that seems really confusing to me. Why would you pay for something at one price, and then later on need to upgrade something in order to get the value for what you just paid four months ago? And then even more so, if the decision is made to include Arcos on these clubs, not changing the price seems a little confusing to me, especially if I'm a customer that paid full price early on. If you're listening to this and you have knowledge of what's going on there, I mean, I would love to know more because at its surface, at the level of which the people that were talking about your products told us. That seems a little confusing, and so I'd love to get that cleared up because it's a big story just for the fact that everyone's going data-driven these days. Certainly, Ping would not be the first company to include Arcos. I mean, Cobra did it, what, two, three years ago. And it's something that a lot of people want more of. It's a great system. 
understanding where all of this is going, though, really would help the consumer, at least in my opinion. I've already kind of touched on Callaway as another takeaway as I go through my list here. Just when you go on to the hackersparadise.com between now and I believe uh, additional videos are going to be rolled out um, as time goes on, one of the things you're going to hear and, and hopefully feel and see is just this really highly positive energy that went through that company's booth, the personalities, the people that you talk to either on social or in other uh, arenas. And what you won't see is a mishmash, I guess, of confusing, conflicting branding. And what I mean by that is if you're a follower of, of that brand of Callaway, you know that they've got multiple different things going on. They've got Big Bertha. They've got Apex. They've got the new ERC ball. Uh, and in addition to that, they also have under their umbrella Ogeo and others. It would be very easy to get confused by all the different colors and marketing that have to go into showcasing all of these products and brands. What was really impressive with what they did, and to be honest, what others did as well within their booth designs, was the level of uniformity among all of those brands. When you see the videos, you'll see what I'm talking about. There was no mixture of different colors. Everything looked super professional, maybe a little more corporate than what we'd seen, or at least what I'd seen in pictures in the past. And it really worked. Really, really worked. I mean, if you've got a driver, the Epic Flash, for example, that features a color scheme of green and this really bright yellow, it could be really annoying if everything was that color they didn't go that route they did a fantastic job with with their design it was very pleasant to just kind of walk around and again it felt like you were walking in callaway hq maybe something a little bit more professional looking than just a typical storefront and really the overarching takeaway here not only just with callaway but with the other booths that did similar things cleveland and srixon was another one everything was blended very nicely together Zegzio being a third uh, arm of that umbrella. You couldn't really tell. I mean, you could tell when there was different products for each of the brands throughout their booth. But everything was just, it looked like it belonged. Cobra and Puma very much, they took a little bit of a different approach. On one side of their booth, depending on which side of the hallway you walked down, they had Cobra gear. And then if you walked on the, the right side of their booth, everything was Puma. Again, two companies, very well known, under the same umbrella, umbrella, but it was very tastefully done. And of course, Cobra Puma, they're going to be a little bit louder. They try to appeal a little bit more to the younger golf generation, which is fine, which is great. But these these booths are just really well done. So kudos to the marketing team and, and whoever else went to, and the creative teams who put these together. But that was just an extremely important takeaway for me because you don't want to be confused about the branding or about the product lines, especially if you've not seen them before. And a lot of these companies, of course, have already released either photos or the products themselves prior to the show. There were a few that released uh, or at least embargo dates ended the week of the show, which I'm hot and cold on. You know, you have to really plan really well for any backlash or, or any feedback whatsoever if you choose to release something the, sh the week of the show. But 
overall, just the design of the booths was a huge takeaway for me. It was really well done for those larger companies. And then, of course, the final takeaway, at least that I'll mention right here, I've kind of gone in a few different directions, so hopefully you're still sticking with me. You know, yeah, I might be a little biased here, folks, and I'm not going to hide that fact because I love their brand, and I've mentioned them a couple times already. But Cleveland and Strixon and Zegzio just continue to impress me. I mean, we went in there. Everything was just, as I mentioned, uniform. You could tell where everything was. Everyone was very welcoming, much like other companies were as well. But, I mean, the fact that you can can walk into their booth, you can just bump into Jamie Sidlowski, which we did. (laughs) He was right there. I had a chance to talk to him a little bit. It was cool meeting him. Everyone was very down to earth. Noel over there, uh, you know, is the main person that we work with. Uh, just super great person. You know, always always great to see her as well. It's extremely nice, extremely welcoming. I know I use that word a lot, but it's, it really is the, the, the overarching feeling. Just this welcoming atmosphere throughout the show. And it was really on display over at Cleveland and Srixon. And something that we talked about in one of the previous episodes from the week that was really interesting and a little funny too, was the personalities within these companies, and this is especially true with Noel and, and, and a few others over at Cleveland and Srixon. You know, these folks have personalities and they have a persona on Twitter. They you, you can go and find them on social and follow along with what they're doing. You could tell when someone's doing a great job when a, a general media member, I don't even know if they're a media member, they may have been a club pro for all I know, walks up to your main PR person just to shake her hand and say, you know what, I've been following you on social and I love what you do. That's that's pretty cool. I don't know how Noel felt with that. <laughs> we joked a little bit about it uh, afterward, but that, that's just, that means you're doing your job right. And Michael Verska said as much. I believe it was in the previous episode of this podcast. I mean, that's just a great job all around. And she, she's one of the best, absolutely. And there are there are many others, of course, as well. I'll give a shout-out to Corey Holloway as well over at Wilson uh, Wilson Golf. I mean, he, he does a great job, too. I mean, you can actually go meet this person, shake their hand, see who they are, thank them for the engagement that they're doing, and I can guarantee you that their companies thank them as well. So that big overarching takeaway for Cleveland and Srixon is just another great job. They, they were able to showcase their new Z-Forged irons, for example, which are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm still probably not good enough to play them. <laughs> I haven't hit them yet, but I, I, I'm, I'm good with my 785s. So don't get me wrong here. But, you know, they had that opportunity. They were able to talk over with, uh, with Jamie Sedlowski, as I mentioned, and showcase all the great stuff that, that he's going to bring uh, to golf and the, the equipment that he's got in his bag. There's just so much good stuff going on. And, oh, by the way, they also released their new Z-Star and Z-Star XV uh, golf balls. Now, I don't want this to sound too much like an ad, but those are extremely good golf balls. And so maybe a, a sixth takeaway, I guess, just to kind of throw one in there is, you know, golf balls continue to be on the upswing, pun intended, I guess, of technology. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that's going on with golf clubs. Um, you know, putters, especially these days, it seems like there's this new putting company, new putter companies popping up every day on Instagram. And there are a few there uh, at the show this week, but golf balls are really going to be just, in my opinion, the most important piece of equipment from actually started last year 
into the next maybe two to three, maybe even four years from now, because there's a lot of great stuff going on with with everything, especially over at Srixon. And now you can go onto the website, golfunfiltered.com, and, and read a little bit more about what I'm talking about specific to that golf ball. But they're not the only ones. Callaway came out with their new ERC golf ball, and, and they've got the, you know, the three-line system, the track system on their golf balls as well. There's just a lot of great stuff going on in the golf ball arena, and I'm extremely excited as somebody who loves to learn more about equipment, as I'm sure you are too. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a gearhead just as much as I am and our friends over at the Hackers Paradise. But that's going to be an extremely important, now's an extremely important time for that piece of equipment, especially since we're getting to the limit, at least from USGA's standpoint, uh, of what we can do with equipment. I mean, if we've gotten to the point now where a company is designing club heads, which is a, an interesting way to do it, and I'm not complaining about it by any means, but if, for example, TaylorMade is designing club heads that are illegal at first, but then dialed back to get right to the point of conforming, we're, we're getting to the point where it's like, all right, well, how much more can we do there, right? You could probably move some stuff around with, uh, you know, center of gravity, MOI, all this other stuff, but... We're, we're getting there. Maybe Michael Verska would disagree with me, and I'm sure he'll tell me next time we talk. But the golf ball, there's still a lot of room there. Yes, I've talked a lot about maybe dialing it back for the pros. Hey, us amateurs, we still got a lot we can benefit from, and there are some great companies out there putting out some f- fantastic products for us to uh, to take advantage of. So I just wanted to go through that list there. Just as a quick recap, I wanted to talk a little bit more about or I talked about how the PGA merchandise show in general is more important now than ever before for all the reasons that we outlined, as well as the fact that, you know what, maybe the maybe Taylor may not being there this year was a missed opportunity. I think that it was. Hopefully they make their return next year. Again, there's probably a few people that would disagree with that statement, but hey, that's my take on it. The whole ping, driver, Arcos, you know, I don't know what's going on there. And again, I open arm invitation here. If you've got more information, reach out to me either on social or via email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. I mentioned a lot about how Callaway impressed with their their management of not only all their brands, but also just the creativity that just jumped out at you with their booth this year. And of course, Cleveland and Srixon and the way that they took a different approach, but also still maintained their welcoming demeanor by showing the uniformity of their three brands and all the great equipment that's coming out from them as well. That's all for today. That's just a brief recap. If you've got any opinions or you want to talk more about anything that was mentioned on this show, you know how to get in touch with me at Golf Unfiltered on Twitter and Instagram. I said my email a couple times. One more time for you, though, is golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Once again, if you like what you hear, go out to iTunes, leave us a star rating. It really helps out the show as well among the sea of different golf podcasts out there. It's it's hard to to kind of find your, uh, your, your spotlight a little bit sometimes. So I really, really appreciate that as well. And just as a final going away, uh, if uh, I was writing out a, a list of tweets yesterday that was, uh, I guess I should say, listing out the, uh, the Twitter handles of all the people that I met. Uh, I'm not a person that typically enjoys meeting a lot of people. That's just my personality. I prefer to uh, stay within a close-knit group. That's just who I am. I've gotten to be pretty 
happy <laughs> with with that bubble. But I do have to say, if if you're listening to this and we had the opportunity to shake hands this week, really appreciate it. The, I understand, not to be self-deprecating here, but I understand that there are websites and podcasts that are much larger than this one. And the fact that you still treat me and this show and the website the same as the biggest names in media means so much. And it's extremely appreciated. And I want you to know that that is something that I will never forget. And it keeps bringing me back to do episodes on this podcast to continue to help you all out, spread the word, help you spread the word about your new products. And it's hopefully an opportunity for us to continue that type of working relationship. All right, folks, that's all for this week. Another episode. Ooh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> We're going to Arizona this week. Uh, I will try to get one out for the following week as well. But if you don't hear from me, that's where I am. Uh, I'll try to check in on social so you know that I'm still alive. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. You know where to find us on social and email. Take care of yourselves. Be nice to one another. We'll talk soon.